Church, we're starting a brand new sermon series. I'm pretty excited about this month, and it's, it's called Blessed. And you know, many people pray. I prayed this prayer myself. You know, you ask God to bless you. You're asking God to do something in your life. But, but blessings from God, church, is way more than a new car. Blessings from God is way more than a bigger salary or a better lifestyle. His blessings come in places that we don't always expect. So this whole month, we're going to be looking at God's blessings and how he does things in our lives. And it's not, again, about money and cars. It's about the way that God works. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8, it's the verse you're going to hear every week this month. It says this, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord. And have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Church, I have a question for you this morning. How many of you want to be blessed? I want you to raise your hand. How many of you want to be blessed? Well, the 20% of you who did not raise your hand, that must mean you want to be cursed. I don't know. I'm just joking. But think about this. What does it mean for God to bless us? What exactly does it mean for God to bless us? See, if we unpack it a lot of times, when we ask God to bless us, what we're meaning is this. We're asking him to take care of everything that we need. When you're asking God to bless you, you're asking him to take care of everything that we need. And and we believe that a blessed person has everything that they need. And really, a lot of people, when they say they want to be blessed... Most people, actually, when they say they want to be blessed, they're, they're asking God to let me be self-sufficient, to let me be self-sufficient. So as an example, you know, we, we ask God, you know, will you bless us? And we want to be financially blessed, right? And so what it might mean is that you want to be financially independent and that you won't need all the extra money. They have all they need. They want to be self-sufficient. George Barna, a guy who does a lot of church um, uh, growth studies and, and, and research, he says this, 94% of Americans believe that they are self-reliant or that they are self-sufficient. 94% of Americans believe that, that they don't need other things, or they sit there and look at this, they don't need other people, that they, they, they can make it on their own. So 94% of the people say they are self-sufficient, and so for many people, that's their goal. They want to be self-sufficient. They, they want to be a self-made man or a, a self-made woman, not to rely on anybody else, and that's their goal. So they don't want to rely on people. They don't want to depend on someone else because people let you down, don't they? How often have you been let down by somebody in your life? See, we want to be completely self-sufficient when it comes to these things. And many people, though, even in the relationships, they want to be self-sufficient. I've heard ladies make this statement many times, I don't need no man. You know, I've heard guys say, I don't need no woman telling me what to do, right? We sit there and we want to be self-sufficient, that we don't need relationships. But you know what? A lot of us, we're struggling in relationships. It's because of this. We are in too big of a hurry. We are too busy. You know, the, the pace is too fast. I see so many men in this world that they, they, they work so many hard extra hours because they want their family to have extra things. And here's what they're doing is they're shortchanging the relationship. We have wives that are longing for their husbands. We have children who, who don't have their fathers around them. And listen, I'm talking from experience. It shortchanges your relationships. 
And so many of us, without even realizing it, our goal is just to be self-reliant, to be independent, and ultimately what we do is we end up pushing people away. We end up pushing people away. We say, we don't need them. We don't need them. Uh, several years back, probably about 10, 15 years ago, I can't remember exactly how long ago, I used to go to the gym, the YMCA in Calcutta, every morning at 5 a.m., and we met a bunch of guys from church there. Albert Carr, if you don't know Albert, he's, he's such a blessing. He really is. Albert would go there with us, and, and we would all walk on the treadmill for the first half hour and just kind of hang out and talk, and then I would go out and do the machines, and you know what I used to do? I used to take the, uh, the AirPods with me. I, I, I put my earphones in, you know what I'm talking about? And I didn't even have any music playing. You know why? I didn't want nobody talking to me. I didn't want nobody bothering me. They're thinking I'm listening to music. And if they said anything, I can just look at him and keep walking. Because like, oh, he can't hear me because he's got music. In. I'm just being honest. That's what I used to do. It, 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 I didn't want anybody bothering me at all. But you know what? So many of us have that same attitude. How I many of you have automatic garage door openers, right? You push it, you see the neighbors out in the yard, and you're like, I'm so thankful for this automatic garage door opener. You push the button, you pull your car in, the door comes down. You don't even have to say hi to anybody, do you? You, you, you look at that, that's a lifesaver for you. But you know what, church? I, I don't know about you, but we all long to be independent. And a lot of times, independence means that we don't have proper relationships. And 94% of Americans says they're self-reliant and they are independent. But if you talk to many of them, and if they're going to be honest with you, and I believe a lot of you have experienced this yourself, they'll say, something's missing in my life. I see a church filled with people so often, and, and they'll talk about that I have something missing. You know, they're blessed with independence, but deep inside, they have this, this gnawing sense that something isn't right in their life, that they're missing something that's going on. There has to be something more, that something is just missing. In church, I honestly believe, I believe this, that many go through life with this low-grade, constant state of a mild depression. I see it all the time. People who are struggling, it's just a very low grade, mild sense of depression in their life and it's because they're missing something. They're missing something. They're blessed outwardly. They, they, they might even be independent. But you know what? They're wanting and they're needing people. And the reason could be that is that they have opened up. The reason they're, they're pushing people away is they've opened up and let people in and they become vulnerable. You know what? They have even become transparent only to get hurt. Only to be hurt by those same people. So we don't want to get hurt again. So what we do is we separate, right? We become independent. We, we, we say that we've got it under control in church. This month, what we're going to do is look, we're going to look at four blessings from God, four different blessings from God. And today we're going to be talking about we are blessed with a need. You and I, all of us, church, we are blessed with a need. And I want you to realize, I want you to realize that God wants to bless you with things that you've never in your life considered a blessing at all. He wants to bless you with these things. God has blessed you, you and me, all of us, with a need. From the very first person that God ever created, right? God shared this blessing with that person, Adam, that, that they, he needed somebody, right? God recognized that he needed someone, so he created Eve. And God has blessed you with a need as well. 
God has blessed you with a need as well. And so what is the need? God blessed us. God blessed us with the need of needing each other. He's completely blessed us with the need of needing each other. God created you with a need for him first. And then he created you with a need for other people. In Ephesians chapter 2, if you'll look at this with me, Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 19 through 22, it says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of this household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together, rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Holy Spirit. I want you to think about that this morning. The Bible says right there that we are members of God's family. That we are members of God's family and that we are carefully joined together. There is no accident that you are sitting here in this church. He has brought us all together. There's a reason for it. And too many times we're just like, ah, yeah, I'm just going to go and I'm going to do it. Church, when you came through this door this morning, what were you expecting? What exactly were you expecting? But we are carefully, man, carefully joined together. It's not like your closet at home just looks like some rumpled mess, okay? God carefully brought every single one of us together to become a holy temple for him that we can do life together. He created you with a need, church, to become part of a family. I'm talking about doing some life together, getting to know each other, to to live out in a purpose together. You know, when my, my kids were growing up, and you, you throw two Russian kids in there with it, and it, it got kind of crazy sometimes, but when the boys were growing up, you know, sometimes we would say, all right, we're going to go do something as a family, and then all of a sudden you get like, oh, do I have to? Yeah, you're going to go. You're going to go, and guess what? You're going to have fun. In our household, we called that forced family fun. You're going to go, whether you want to or not, and you will have fun. I don't care if you want to or not. That's the way it's going to be. We call it forced family fun. And too many times, church, in our lives, you know what we do? Is God is bringing us together, and he's bringing us together as a church body, and he wants us to live life together. He wants us to to have this thing, and we're sitting there having that attitude like, I don't want it. I I don't want any of that. See, he created you with a need. And that need is to be active part of his family. See, we strive for independence, don't we? We do. We strive for independence. I was always that guy who, who I wanted to be independent. I wanted to be a self-made man. I didn't want anybody's help. And guess what? I still struggle with that. You know, we'll go to Walmart and, and we'll get 10, 15 bags. And, and Mary will take one bag in the house or two bags with her. And you know what I do? I line them suckers up my arm. That's why there's handles there, okay? You line them up, and I'm walking in with, I got something to prove, okay? I do. I got something to prove, and I'm carrying them bags. And she's like, why do you do that? Why don't you just wait? Why don't you just let somebody help you? I'm like, no, I got this, girl. (laughs) Right? Because I want to be independent. I want to be a self-made man. I want to be able to do things on my own. But church, think about this. He created you with that need, to be a part of something, to be a part of his family. And when we strive for that independence, 
But when God wants you to be dependent on him, then what we're doing is we're pushing him aside. And we do that. To be independent and not needing God and not needing God's people, that's distinctly church, non-Christian. It really is. But when you're not counting on him and counting on the people that God has placed you, God has blessed you with a need and that we need each other. And so many of us go through life. We, we go through life with that attitude. You know, I don't want to take time for people. You know, I, I don't want to open up. Or, you know, I'm too busy. Church, do you realize every single one of us, we get a pie. There's 24 hours in it. How you slice that up is up to you. But we say we don't have time. But you know what? God has blessed you with a need, and that need is so great. That need is very, very great. And so I want to tell you a story. It comes from Matthew chapter 22. You know, when this one guy had a question for Jesus. This guy comes up to Jesus, and he wanted to know. He really wanted to know. And basically, he, he, he goes up to Jesus. He's like, you know what? I know there's 613 commands, Jesus. You and I, we have a hard time dealing with 10, don't we? The, the Jews, they had 613 commands. And he's like, Jesus, that's a lot of commands. But you know what? I, so which one is the most important? If I got to get one right, Lord, which one is the one I need to focus on and which one is the most important? And Jesus tells him what the most important command is. And that comes from Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. It says this, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So Jesus tells this guy, here's the greatest command. You love the Lord, everything you got. And then he goes on, he says, but a second. See, the guy asked for one, didn't he? He said, but Jesus, I'm going to give you two. Jesus is so given, isn't he? The second is equally important. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And you sit there right now, and you're like, preacher, you don't know my neighbor. <laughs> mm -mm, don't work that way. He said, you love your neighbor as yourself. So the greatest command for you and I, church, is to be relationally connected to God, to love him with everything you got, to need him as your father. He wants you to need him, to need him, to love him, and to be loved by him, which a lot of us, we have a hard time being loved by God because we have some issues, but you need him, church. You seriously need him. So love God first. That's the greatest command. The second command is just like it, Jesus. He says, just like it. He said, you love your neighbor as yourself. So church, we need each other. We need each other. So many of us, we have this goal to be independent, but God created you. He's the master creator. He created you to be dependent on him first and then his people. And so in the church, in the church world, that's called a spiritual family. It's a spiritual family. It's, it's getting connected with other believers. I'm talking about you get connected. You go to Bible study together. You, you celebrate church when people are celebrating. And you hurt with those who are hurting, right? You mourn with those who are mourning. And I've had so many people saying, you know what? I want to get involved in a church or, and I want to be here. And then months later, they're like, well, I don't have any connections. I'm like, what did you do? Are you going to Bible study? Are, are you getting in a small group? Are you just telling someone like, hey, I need, I need connections here. See, you need, church, you need to be connected. 
I want to put a little bit of skin on it for you here this morning. You know what? You need a church, spiritual family. That's what you need, a spiritual family. And you need a family with refrigerator rights. Do you know what refrigerator rights are? Yeah, I'm going to explain it to you this morning. You need a church with refrigerator rights. It's when someone comes to your house, right? If someone that you know very well and that you love, they come to your house, you treat them differently, don't you? <clears throat> Somebody comes to your house, maybe for the first time, you don't know them well, you know, you take them, hey, come on in, let's sit down and talk. You always take them to the living room because that's usually the cleanest room because you don't use it that much. You don't want them seeing the rest of that mess you got going on at your house. And so you're sitting there and you're just talking, making small talk, and, and, and you're just learning, getting to know them. And, and so what would you do if suddenly that person got up, not saying a word to you, walk into your kitchen, open your fridge, Take out some bread, take out your lunch meat, take out your cheese, and begin to make a sandwich. You know, they even took out your spicy mustard, and they're making a sandwich. You got a problem with that, don't you? You would have a very serious problem with that. Because you know what? You're going to be like, what are you doing? You ain't got fridge rights in my house. You don't have those fridge rights in my house. You just can't go into my house in my fridge and grabbing my food. You have a struggle with that. But when it's someone that you're close with, someone who is your family, you have no problems with that, right? You have no issue with someone that you love who walks into your kitchen and opens that fridge and grabs a Coke without even asking you for it. As a matter of fact, it, for me personally, it makes me feel that I'm close with that person. That, that I'm even closer than I thought I was. You know what? The New Testament has one of the most amazing, one of the most amazing pictures of fridge rights that you will ever see. It's basically, church, it's basically believers saying that we're family. It, 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 they're saying that everything I have is not mine, but it's yours. It comes in Acts chapter 2. So if you'll look at this with me, in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47, it says this. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Those are serious fridge rights there. That they were getting together. The Bible says they were together. The Bible says they had everything in common. They, they, they were believers in Christ. They, they were all moving forward together in their lives. And they broke bread together. Where did they break bread? In their homes. They broke bread together in their homes. And the Bible said that they had glad and sincere hearts. They were enjoying the family. They were excited to be a part of it. They were loving on each other. Church, you might have some good buddies at church. You might have some friends at church. But I'm asking you right now, do they got fridge rights in your house? Are you loving on people in that way? You know, I got friends at work. I've always had friends at work. I've had friends at school. You know, you soccer moms, you cheer moms, you got friends there. But do they have fridge rights? Maybe you're like, no, they don't. You know, maybe why they don't? Because you've never invited them into your home. You've never tried to do some life with these people. And when you're doing life with people and you 
and you do life well, things start to develop. In my book, personally, when I'm close with somebody and, and they're like my family, they got rights to what I have. You need something, I'll, I'll let you use it. You, you, you desperately have, don't have something, man, I'll give you mine. That, that, I'm not bragging. That's just the way I look at things, man. When, when I'm close with someone, I'm close with them. I, I want to be part of their life. And part of the life means that when they are rejoicing, you rejoice when they are in need. That means you help supply a need. When they are hurting, you are hurting. That's life. That's what God has called us to do. And you know what? God has given you the people to have that kind of life. This is a church family. You know, I have a friend who lives far away from here, grew up together, really, really, really good friends. And I talked to him. I actually got to spend a little bit of time with him last night. But we, we talked one time, and, and we were talking, and he was, telling me, he was telling me about this family at his church. They lost a child. They lost a child in a horrible way, and, and it was devastating. Can't even fathom that. And what they did was the Bible study that they were in, that their small group, they all got together and said, man, we got to help these people. This is our family. They took turns as couples, and, and the family that lost the child, they were all about it. They took turns as couples going over there and spending the night and staying all day long. Man, they, they would help them clean. They would cook for them. They would get their kids ready for school and send them off. And you know what? They were there. You want to cry on my shoulder? You can cry all day on my shoulder. And this dude told me, he said, this family's struggling, and they're going to have a long road, but they're going to be okay. And the reason they're going to be okay is you know Why? They had friends. They had people surrounding them and to help them through that. Why would they do that, church? Why would those people do that? That's what family does. That's what family does. When there is a need, you, you make that need happen. And you know what, church? I want you to remember something. We are a church family. We are a church family. And, and you know what? That means you're a part of the family of God. He, he's the head of it. And God gave you a need. God gave you a need to, to be open up, to be transparent, to do life with people, to, to surround yourself with good godly people. I'm talking about a family. I'm talking about a community. I'm talking about doing life the way that God has called us. And so when someone rejoices, we rejoice with them. When someone hurts, we all hurt. Why? Because we are a family. We are the family of God. We are a spiritual family. A spiritual family united, church, united with Christ at the center. And I want you to know something. You have a need. Your first need is to have a relationship with God. He created that in you. That is your first need, is to have a relationship with God, to have that spiritual family. And the second thing is this. The second thing is you need to have a spiritual family who is attentive, right? To, to be attentive. A little while back, my wife, I, I was sitting there talking to her at the table, and then all of a sudden I said, did you get a haircut today? Yeah, I got one two weeks ago. 
I'm like, baby, I ain't got my glasses on. I haven't had them all week, okay? But, but I looked at her, and, and, and the reason, the point that she made to me loud and clear is, you haven't been paying attention to me. You didn't recognize that I got my hair cut two weeks ago. And you know what, church? I want you to think about this. We as a church body, we should be paying attention. You, you recognize when somebody's hurting. Man, when God lays somebody on my heart or on my mind, and, and, and man, he does that to me a lot. They'll just keep popping in and out of my head. And, and so I'll reach out. I'm like, hey, God laid you on my heart today. Just want to check on you. How you doing? Whatever. You know, someone said, I sent that a message to someone that said that to them. And they said, why? What's wrong? <laughs> it's not that. God's not sending me messages that, you know, you're going to wipe out today. Nothing like that. He just laid you on my heart. And, and, and so I do that in Romans chapter 15. In Romans chapter 15, it says this in verse 7. It says, accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you. And I love the last part, in order to bring praise to God. Church, we are supposed to accept one another. We're supposed to accept one another. And when you do that, you're bringing praise to God. You're bringing praise to God. You accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. You want to bring praise to God? Start accepting some people. This ain't no nightclub. It isn't. This ain't a country club. This isn't a, a club where you get voted in. We are a church family. We are a body of believers. We've got to accept one another. And so many people, church, they'll come to church. Church is weird. It really is. Think about it. If you've never been to church the first time, you come to church, a lot of weird people there, and you sing weird songs, and they, they say concepts that you don't understand, and everyone's hugging and loving on each other. That's weird, right? If you're not used to it. And so you come to church, and you're looking for acceptance. You're looking to find something. And you know, so many people don't want to open up. They come to church, they're looking, but they don't know what they're looking for. They don't want to open up. They don't want to be transparent. They don't want to be vulnerable. They don't want to rely on other people. They would rather be independent than dependent. And this is because every single one of them, they have been rejected and not accepted in their lifetime. So they're like, why do I want to be hurt again? You know, as a spiritual family church, we accept one another. There's an Old Testament story that I read this past week, and I know I read this whole book before, the Second Samuel. I love First and Second Samuel. And, and if you ever do that, you'll read something and it just blows over your head, and then later on you read it again, you're like, whoa, what is that? Well, this Old Testament story, it, it, it's a, a wild story about a little kid. Somebody dropped him on his feet, and they broke both of his feet. And the tragic part of the story is this. No doctors around to fix him up, so he became crippled for his whole life. I'm talking about crippled in both feet. And what even is more sad is in this area, in this time, the biblical times, here's how people looked at it. If you were crippled or you had an affliction in your life, they believed that there was something wrong with you, that you did something bad, that it was either your fault or your parents' fault, that they sinned, and then that's what you get. That's what they believed. And they believed there's something wrong with you. So there's this little boy. I hate butchering Bible names, and I might do it, but you just, you roll with it, okay? <laughs> Mephibosheth. I think I might have said it right that time. So this little boy, 
He was crippled on his feet and he was an outcast for his entire life. Nobody wanted anything to do with him because they thought that there was something wrong with him, that he was bad. You know, that, that because of his entire life, he, he was crippled. He was rejected time and time again until one day, church, until one day, Mephilzebeth's dad, Jonathan, he was best friends with King David. You know what happened? Jonathan died. King David was there and he said, hey, is there anybody at all in my buddy Jonathan's household. Is there anybody at all that I, I can show kindness to for the sake of our friendship so that I can honor our friendship? And so they said to him, yeah, you know what? There was, there's this one guy from his family, but you wouldn't like him, King David. You wouldn't like him. So King David's like, why not? And he's like, you know what? He has crippled feet. And you know what that means? He sinned. He's bad. You don't want him around because he brought that on himself. And David said, you don't understand. He says, we are family. You go get that guy. You go get him and you bring him back to the palace. Jonathan was my best friend. And I don't care what you say, we're going to honor his life through his boy. And check out what happens in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 13. And it's so simple, but man, there's a lot packed in here. It says, and Mephilzebeth who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. He finished out his life living in Jerusalem and he got to sit at the king's table and eat the best food there possibly was and to have the honor and the privilege of doing that. And you know what? Every single one of us, church, think about this for a minute. Every single one of us, we have, we've got some messed up feet in one form or another. We do. You know, you got your deal. I got my deal. You have your issues. I've got my issues. You got baggage. I, I've got baggage. You know, and we come to church and we prop our messed up feet on the table for everybody to see. And we say, I thank God. Somebody accepts me for who I am. I thank God that somebody accepts me through all the mistakes that I made in, in my life. You know what, church? How is that for each and every one of us? You know, I truly know. I love it. I absolutely love it when people come to this church and they're not, they're not embarrassed about their crippled feet. They're like, man, I got issues. I, I've done a lot of things. I truly love it when it happens because they know they have issues. They know they have a past. They know that they have some faults. The very first time that I ever experienced that in my life in the church, I remember we were like at a men's meeting. And, and so, you know, you're doing your thing. You're eating the breakfast and, and you're all just talking, socializing, whatever you do. And this one dude, all of a sudden, he said this. He said, I love my wife and I love my family. I said, that's right, man, me too. But then he went on and he said this. He said, but I'm addicted to porn. And so in my mind, I'm like, my, I'm sure my jaw hit the table because I never heard anyone say that in a big group. I'm like, how's this going to go down? And you know what I saw, church? I saw three men surround him. And the one guy said, you know what? I'm struggling with that too. And they got together with him and they prayed for him right there. 
Maybe you got issues this morning. Maybe you got issues in your marriage. Maybe you got issues with your kids. Maybe you got issues with your past. Maybe you got issues with your present. Maybe you've got issues even just with yourself. Did you don't even love yourself? I want to encourage you. You prop your feet up in a good place. You prop your crippled feet up in a good place. And you know what? You get loved on and prayed for. You get loved on and you get prayed for. Some of you might say, I don't have that. I, I, I don't have that, that atmosphere where I can do that. Or, or you know, I, I don't feel comfortable with that. And I want to ask you this, church, how are you involved? Are you trying to make connections? Are you getting involved? Here's a novel idea. Invite someone over to your house. You want to make some friends, invite them over to your house. Don't stand back and say, no one talks to me. No one does this for me. You know, what about you? What is it that you are doing? Some of you might say, you know, I don't have that. I want to encourage you to get involved. Don't just come to church on Sunday and act like it's a prison break and you're running out that front door because someone's going to catch you. No, you don't do that. You know what, church? Maybe you say you don't have time. Well, then you're never going to have time for what is the most important. You have to choose your time. You, know, you can say, I went to this group. Man, I've seen this before. I went to this group, and, and everything was good, but there was this one weird guy there. Or there was this one weird lady. She was just weird. Don't talk behind my back like that, number one, Okay. <laughs> But seriously, we're a family. In a family, let's be honest, there's always a weird one in the family, isn't there? You might sit there and say, I ain't got no weird ones in my family. You better look in the mirror because it's probably you that is the weird one. But think about this, church. Listen, we're a family. We, we really all are kind of weird. We're all different. We have quirks. We've got issues. Every single one of you are sitting here today. You've got something going on in your life. So don't just give up on it. You press through. So as I ask the praise team to come up here and we get ready to wrap this up, I want you all to know that as a big family, in your life personally, one day someone will die. Think about this. One day someone will die. One day someone's going to lose their job. One day a marriage is going to go through a difficult time. One day your, 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 your wife finds out that maybe your husband is, hasn't been faithful. One day a husband will find out that, that a wife has an emotional connection with some other guy. One day you might hear some bad news, church, and I want to tell you something. You will need your family. You will need your family. And we all are a family. And so when somebody has a need, church, you help meet it. I love the verse in the Bible, man, but it smacks me up the head so many times. To know to do right and not to do it is a sin against the Lord. You recognize a need and you're just like, Psh, I ain't dealing with that. You understand that God is calling out to you to see that he's placed that in front of you. If you and your family, you see someone has a need, you help fill it. But more than anything, church, more than anything, you need Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the one that came so that we could live. 
I'm talking about the one who, who gave his life so that we could have eternal life. See, we all need to have that personal relationship. I'm talking, it's personal, not because you heard him. Maybe not because you heard your daddy say his name in vain. I'm talking about you knowing. It's personal. It's real. And the only way that you can have it is by giving your heart to him. Saying, Lord, I give it all to you. I talked to you last week. Don't you give him just a little bit of it. Don't you give him half of it or three quarters of it. He wants it all. He wants your whole life. And that is what it takes. But for us, all of us who are believers already, church, for those of us who are believers, it needs to be personal, but it also needs to be shared. It needs to be personal and it needs to be shared for all of us. And whenever two or more, I love the verse in the Bible, it says, whenever two or more are gathered together in his name, there's a lot of churches that are gathering out of tradition There's a lot of churches who are gathering just because that's what we do. But the Bible says when two or more are gathered in his name, and I want to tell you right now, we are gathering in his name at Wellsville First Christian Church. It says he will be in the midst of them. It doesn't mean he's outside looking in the window. It doesn't mean that he's off standing on the wall. He's in the middle of it all. And so church, I pity the person who falls down all by themselves. And nobody's there to pick them up. Don't be that person. God gave you a need, but here's the cool part. He's also given you a way to fill that need. So whatever it is for you this morning, maybe you have never accepted Jesus Christ. I seriously, I wholeheartedly, I'm encouraging you. I'm urging you today to be the day that you give your heart to him. I'm saying, Lord, I give it all to you. You recognize that you are a sinner. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter three, don't sit there and shine your halo this morning. All men fall short of the glory of God. All of us screw it up. But what he says is there's an answer to your need, and it's Jesus Christ. He shed his blood for you, not just your neighbor. I'm talking about you, so that you could have eternity with him. And so if that is your need today, I want you to come forward. And for the rest of us, as a body of believers this morning, I want us to start being the church. I'm talking about being the church Don't you just come to church. I'm asking you to be the church. I'm talking about all of us doing life together. I'm talking about getting involved. I'm talking about if you got a need, let someone help fill that need. Whatever it is for all of us, church, we have needs. And God says, I have all the answers for you. So maybe you're a believer who accepted Christ a long time ago, but you know what? The world has kicked you down pretty hard. What a perfect day for you to turn it all back over to him saying, Lord, I need you to take this. So how about it, church? Let's stand together. Let's sing. But I want to encourage you to respond this morning.